Should you use the camera that you already have or should you upgrade to something new? That's the age-old question. That's exactly what we're talking about on today's podcast. Get your cup of joe ready. We have a lot to talk about. Hello and welcome back to the Morning Cup of Joe podcast, the ultimate podcast for content creators geared toward helping you find the creator within and turn passion into purpose. I am not your average Joe, your host, and I am a veteran turned creator. And today I am joined by a very special guest that I am so excited to announce. Uh, Welcome, Nigel Bajos. I hope I said that right. He's a filmmaker, photographer, full-time YouTuber. And uh, he just he just makes amazing content. Do you want to go ahead and give a little bit of an introduction about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, my name is Nigel, and I am a filmmaker from Portland, Oregon. And I also make filmmaking-related content on YouTube. And basically my channel is I'm trying to help bridge the gap between pretty-looking cinematic video and budget gear. So that's kind of what all my videos are kind of centered around. Honestly, I really like that niche. It's a really great niche because how many how many times you pe- see people search um, best camera for cheap, best mic for cheap. Everybody's all about that cheap life, and uh, you know yeah. all these uh, cinema- cinem- <laughs> cinematic hacks. Wow, I cannot talk today. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, so you said you're from Portland. Were you born and raised, or where where are you from yeah. before? Yeah, no, I was actually uh, born and raised here in Portland. And uh, I've been, you know, like all around the world traveling, but um, for the most part, I've spent most of my life here in Oregon, which it's a beautiful state. And I just, yeah, I love it here. It's really inspiring for sure. Oh, when I went to Cannon Beach, Oregon last, it was, oh, it was my favorite. I loved it so much. I slept in the trees and hammocks. We went on all these great hikes. I went along the beach. So I, I have a special place in Oregon in my heart. And I'm hoping that whenever I'm back in Nevada mid-July, I'm hoping to make a trip up to Oregon and kind of see things again. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, it'd be cool. Maybe we could link up and uh, go yeah, on a definitely. go on a cheap camera shoot. I'll bring a Canon T6. <laughs> it'd be kind of funny. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, one, what's your favorite place to travel? And two, you said you make a full time living off of YouTube, correct? Yeah. Um, so my favorite place to travel would probably be northeastern Brazil. It's where my family's from. It's where my dad's side of the family's from. So. Um, I actually, I go there a lot just to visit family. Um, but other than that, I've been to uh, this place in Spain called Segovia, which is probably one of the most amazing places that I've ever been to. And uh, yeah, as far as making a full-time living, I just was able to back in January. So I, um, a video of mine kind of blew up back in October, and that's what kind of gave me the push to be able to just go full-time with YouTube. And yeah, I have a bunch of different revenue streams, but um it's all kind of based off of the fact that I have an audience on YouTube now. And that's amazing. Congrats on that. Congrats on almost, or I don't know if you've reached it yet, but 100K subscribers. That is yeah, a I'm huge al- milestone. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm almost there. Uh, I think I'm at like 99,100 or something like that. Oh, so you're, you're crossing very soon. Yeah. Honestly, I'm so stoked for you. How is that? You, you've been on YouTube for a while, right? Yeah, I've actually... So I had another channel that I started back when I was like 16. So, but if you're not counting that, I started my Nigel Bajos channel in 2008. So that's like 12 years now, I guess. Wow, that is honestly crazy. And I, I like I said, I want to say a big congratulations. What kind of a feeling are you getting, like now watching it go from zero to 100k? Well, it's definitely you know it's pretty cool and it feels you know. Uh, pretty rewarding to like finally reach that milestone. Um, it's definitely been a long time, like a really long and slow process up until, you know, 26,000 subscribers. And honestly, if that like big video hadn't like blown up, I'd still probably be, you know, slowly crawling. But yeah, I'm definitely stoked that it's happening. I feel like uh, it's it's definitely taken a long time, but I'm happy that it's like, you know, finally here now. Well, honestly, I think you deserve it hundred uh, percent. The video that introduced, of course, the video that introduced me to you was the lighting video, the famous lighting <laughs> video with the uh, what was it, the Panasonic G three? Yeah, I, it, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the one that I was referring to back in October, the one that blew up. Uh, yeah, that one, 
I never had any idea that that would blow up like it did, but it's almost at, I think it's at 1.7 million views right now. And oh. yeah, I used my Panasonic GH3, which I'm still using to this day. <laughs> Honestly, it's always the videos you don't expect. Like I did this video, like dance parody to a song that Roy Purdy made. And it was my biggest video that got a hundred, almost a hundred thousand. It's at 93 or 94,000. And Dang. like, I mean, at the time, just watching the numbers go up. I wish I'd have been more consistent at the time. Obviously, it would have been nice to keep the traction going. But hey, um, you make mistakes, you live, you learn, and I'm back on track now. And it's funny because sure. everybody that I've had on this podcast so far has been creating much longer than me. I've only created for four years. I started my YouTube channel with a camcorder, and I started doing food challenges, uh, funny enough. And I started watching Roman Atwood vlogs, which got me into vlogging or wanting to try it. Casey Neistat kind of made me want to take a filmmaker's approach. And then I watched Peter McKinnon's channel, and the rest is history. Now I'm yeah. where I'm at. So it's it's crazy because I, sometimes I'll think I, I, I've been creating for a pretty long time. And then I hear people talk about how they've been creating for 10, 12, 14, 15 years. Like I didn't yeah. even know anything about a camera until I was 18, 19 years old. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but now that we have introductions out of the way, I want to get into the big question. Uh, so, like I said, let's just get into that age-old question. Should I use the camera that I already have or just buy a new one? Why or why not? Yeah, that's definitely a question that I get a lot. And usually how I respond is, what camera do you have right now? Because, I mean, like... If you have an iPhone, you pretty much can create, you know, some pretty good looking stuff. But I mean, if you're using like, you know, a camcorder from 2003, then obviously you're going to want to upgrade from that if you want to start, you know, getting more into like the filmmaking process. But I feel like for a lot of people, they kind of have like this misconception that getting a better camera is going to make them a better filmmaker. And that's where I just kind of try to steer them towards learning other aspects of filmmaking like lighting getting good audio you know composition stuff like that because i feel like that's the kind of stuff that you can take with you throughout your entire filmmaking career and it's going to make a bigger impact on how your video actually looks than just getting a new camera will i love that answer right there and everybody goes to the iphone answer and i mean i was skeptical until i made a recent youtube video that that is an iphone video only and i was kind of like uh I was, I was surprised, pleasantly so. The iPhone XR, it's all cracked up. It was somebody's old iPhone they let me play with uh, when they got they upgraded. And it, it surprised me. They got a time-lapse mode on there. They got a slow-motion mode. It's, they've got some good stuff. Um, yeah. But a lot of the people that asked me that, and that, that's why like I was so excited to talk to you about to yeah, talk to you specifically about this, is when I get asked that, it's, it's by people that have like a, you know, they'll have a Canon 80D or something, right? And they've got an yeah. auto mode. They don't have it in shooting raw. They're shooting like a, or, or the uh, highest quality possible. They're shooting just mm -hmm. what it came stock with. Uh, they don't have like an external mic. They've, they're using kit lenses. And so they ask this, they ask these questions and I'm like, you haven't even started tapping into the potential of your camera. If you switch that to yeah. manual mode, you learn about shutter speed, you learn about aperture, you learn about, you know, rule of thirds, composition, just these basic things. And you just continue on with it. You can make that Canon 80D look insane. I mean, your GH3 video, that, that was pretty crazy. And I think, uh, how old is the GH3 now? Uh, I think the GH3 is, I think it's going on eight years now. I think it came out in 2012, maybe 2013. So, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty old camera. Yeah, and I, I talk Canon 80D. I currently mm -hmm. use the 70D. So at least yeah. the 80D does 60 frames a second. The the 70D at 1080p does 30, and I have it on 24 just for that cinem cine <laughs> the cinematic look, uh, obviously yeah. with the double the shutter speed and everything going on. Uh, but... The reason I upgraded to a Sony, I actually haven't even used it yet. I sent it to Nevada, so when I go back, I can get playing with it. Uh, I just actually pulled the trigger on upgrading some gear after two-ish two years of wanting to do so. And I finally made the decision that, hey, I'm creating you know, consistently. I'm doing this full-time. It's time because I started maxing out my capabilities. And so I'll say that if you have a camera right now, right? Make use of it, make some money off of it, or, or do whatever you can right now until it's viable to buy another camera, right? If, if need be, 
learn your camera yeah. settings. You know, that, that's, that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, a lot of people, you know, they kind of have this, you know, uh, like I said before, it's kind of like this misconception that like getting a new camera is going to unlock like this, like beautiful, you know, video quality. And, you know, some cameras that might be true, but, you know, if you give me an iPhone and you give, you know, a three-year-old a, a red camera, like I'm still going to be able to produce better looking video than a three-year-old, you know, or than like, you know, someone who's never touched a camera before is with a red, right? So it's all about, you know, getting that knowledge under your belt first. And even if you're, you know, completely stripped of all the gear that you have, I mean, you could still potentially get hired to film stuff and just like rent the camera because you already have that knowledge under your belt. And so at the end of the day, like if you like know the tools that you need to know, you know, a backwards and front, that's going to be a lot more valuable than just, you know, saying that you have the latest and greatest camera. Oh, I agree 100% because if there was a direct correlation with how good a camera or how much it costs and how good it looked, then everybody with a red camera would have 10 million subscribers on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And sure. yeah, it's just it's uh, there's kind of like this. I think Casey and I talked about this, but there's this diminishing returns of the camera, right? Uh, the difference yeah. between a $200 and a $500 camera is huge. The difference between a $500 to a $1,000 camera is a lot. The difference between a 1000 to 2000 isn't as much and it just keeps going on and on like that and so it's 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 being mindful of that too i think yeah for sure and that's definitely like i feel like you know the people who normally ask me like you know should i get a new camera i feel like they've already kind of answered that question like i think the question is no you shouldn't because you obviously haven't mastered the camera that you have now and you haven't realized what you need in another camera like you know, like all like the DP friends that I have, like they only upgraded their camera because they knew very specific things that they needed. Like if they were shooting with a Panasonic GH4 or something like that, they just, they realized that like, you know what, I want more dynamic range. So I'm gonna buy a Blackmagic Ursa so that I can have, you know, like uh, shooting raw capabilities and stuff like that. And they know like all the limitations of a GH4 and they know exactly why they're upgrading. It's not this, you know, uh, you know, this like superficial, like need to, you know, get the latest and, you know, coolest camera. It's because they know what they need to do, like, you know, for their craft and they want the best tool for that. So I feel like, like no person who's like a professional cinematographer has ever come up to me and asked me like, hey, should I upgrade my camera? Because they already know that, like they already know that they need to if you know they're going to be asking that question that's true i've heard really good things about the uh what what you say the black magic cinema camera yeah i've heard really good things have you used it is it is it worth the hype yeah i mean i've used several black magic products and i typically don't ever recommend those to people who are like beginners because those the Blackmagic cameras are just not for beginners. Uh, it takes a lot of know-how as far as, you know, color grading. You need to have a, you know, a good enough computer to edit that raw footage and also a lot of hard drive space. And then you have to like, you know, you have to know how to work with the camera. It takes a lot of rigging. There are things like infrared pollution that it has that like you need to have a bunch of IR cut filters if you're going to film outside. So there's a lot of workarounds with those cameras. They produce amazing images, but typically I think most people are better off with like, a GH5 or an A7 III or something like that, or even a Canon EOS R, especially for making YouTube content. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um, I forgot that that's what people are trying to do. A red camera yeah. for YouTube camera, unless or for a YouTube camera, unless you're Peter McKinnon, just doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> so then, with that being said, when do you know when to upgrade gear? When, when can you justify it then? Like, yeah, just go, I, I want your take yeah. on that. So I think that, you kind of like know when you've kind of like outgrown your gear. Like I have definitely outgrown my Panasonic GH3. Like I could be using, or I probably should be using like way more expensive cameras, but I have two Panasonic GH3s and I use them on purpose because I'm trying to like push the idea that like, Hey, if I can create good stuff with the GH3, then you guys can create stuff with whatever you have. But I think that when you have, you know, like made some money with the camera that you have, or at least, you know, created with it on YouTube for at least a year. And you realize, you know, some of the shortcomings that you wish you didn't have to deal with. Like my GH3 doesn't have good autofocus and I'm a YouTuber, right? So 
if I was going to upgrade my camera to something that's better for YouTube, I would probably get something like a Canon or a Sony that has really good autofocus. Um, and I guess it just really depends on like what you're doing because I feel like, you know, people who are just making YouTube content, you could probably stick with a Canon 80D for another two years if you had one right now and you'd be totally fine. I feel like, like no one's going to, you know, go into the comment section and complain about your video quality. I think that it comes to when you start doing more, you know, commercial gigs to where your clients are looking for 4K and better dynamic range and, you know, really high frame rates. But that's when you're going to kind of know that like, okay, I need a camera that can do more than what my ADD can do. So I feel like you'll know when it comes up that your camera is holding you back. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, just as kind of like an outside, outside source, uh, watching your YouTube videos, I definitely think you should. I mean, you've definitely grinded that GH3 <laughs> for a long time. And so I think it would be cool watching you, um, get a more expensive camera, something that you want, something that's got a learning curve. Right. And then watching sure. you kind of flatten out that curve, figure out what, what all you can do, watch all your processes change. Cause I know you were talking about color grading in one of your videos, or maybe it was a newer one. And yeah. uh, you were talking about how you have a LUT specifically for your GH3. And so it's drag and drop, which is great. But, I mean, for me, sometimes I have to switch it up because if I get complacent, I notice that my gas meter, uh, that's a give-a-shit meter for those of you that don't <laughs> know, uh, kind of starts going down slowly, slowly and slowly. And I think I just say that as an outside source because it gives your viewers, even if they're looking for the cheap gear, it gives them something to look forward to right that yeah if i continue with my g cheap gear you know i can i can get to this point right and so it gives them kind of an end goal and not only that but now your narrative is still hey i've made it all the way to a hundred thousand subscribers on youtube with two you know panasonic gh3s and then i mean i think you could do a bunch of those like uh not story time but kind of like a uh nostalgia like um throwback videos where you go inside of a, a store and you talk to a potential client and you, you make money with the GH3, right? You're like, hey, watch this. Even though I've got this camera, we're going to pull out the uh, old camera and we're going to go there. Or you're going to use it as a second camera or you just kind of keep reverting back to it, you know, for your, for your viewers. And it becomes kind of like that Peter McKinnon with coffee kind of a thing, right? Where, yeah, yeah. where people expect it. And so that's just my take uh, as a viewer. I think that would be really cool to see. Yeah, I know for sure. I definitely think that there's like a there's like a peak to like the level of filmmakers that come to my channel. I feel like once they've learned everything that I can teach them, they probably are, you know, looking for more information than what I'm sharing. Cause a lot of the stuff that I'm sharing definitely is geared towards people who don't like know everything yet. And so I'm just trying to like, you know, keep it a little bit more beginner friendly, but I definitely am going to eventually like kind of shift my channel to where I'm getting a little bit more into like the, you know, more, technical stuff that like is for a little bit more advanced shooters and I definitely like <laughs> it's funny like I have been like you know contemplating switching up my camera like a lot recently because so many new cameras have come out and I think eventually I'm probably going to go with like something like a, a Fujifilm X-T4 or something like that in the future but for right now I'm just going to keep you know a, a rock in my GH3s until I can like really commit to one camera system because there's so many out there it's kind of hard to choose <laughs> oh yeah for sure no i totally get that and you, you i mean you're doing great work man uh, i don't want to make it sound like uh, i'm saying you should upgrade for you know lack of anything you've done huh. an amazing job um it was just kind of like an idea that i had and kind of like yeah, yeah. the mindset that i had to go into because i'm at the same kind of level like we're talking about you know, when to upgrade your camera. Like you said, that's not something that filmmakers and people do. But for me, I just niched down recently. And so what I'm doing is trying to target people that are starting out, trying to target people that are maybe kind of established but fall off the, the wagon, right? And stop creating for, you know, a couple of months and want to get back into it. And then I feel like as my, you know, content matures, my audience is going to mature, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and so we kind of touched on it a little bit. What gear do you currently use? Like, what wh what's kind of the uh, the setup for you, the Nigel setup, if you will? Yeah. Well, so as far as like my main workhorse uh, setup, like what may, like mostly all my videos are filmed on, is 
my Panasonic GH3, and then I have a little 15 millimeter f1.7 lens that gives me about, since it's a, a micro four thirds camera, it's like a crop, so 15 becomes 30. So it's like a 30 millimeter equivalent field of view. And uh, I use that for like my talking head sit down stuff. And I also have a 42.5 millimeter lens that I use for B-roll. And then when I'm doing more client work or like wedding stuff, I have a Sigma 18 to 35 with a Metabone speed booster and then like a monitor setup and all like that, you know, fancy stuff for that camera when I'm trying to like impress my clients. But uh, for the most part, I'm just shooting with this little 15 millimeter lens. And then I have a Comica VM10 microphone that I use and I really like. And uh, I shoot in all eye, like the all intro re a recording on my GH3, which gives me the best quality 1080p that I can get out of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I use various different things, you know, tripods, monopods. I have a DJI Ronin SC whenever I need some gimbal stuff. And uh, yeah, I have a bunch of Comica wireless mics. And then I edit my videos on a 2014 MacBook Pro. <laughs> with Premiere. See, I use Premiere too. I'm rocking the 2015 MacBook Pro yeah. that I've had to bring to the shop and repair twice for water damage. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I, no fault of my own. It's just the person that sold it to me. They tried to pull one over on me. They took off the water, the tags, and they tried to like scrub it out or whatever. Like uh, they brought it to somebody and tried to like flip it, I think. And so, yeah, it's just kind of like sometimes that's what you have to deal with with uh, used gear. I got a yeah. lot out of it, but it just stopped turning on one day, and then it's just uh, – anyway, um, I just got a Ronin S too, like uh, that literally just came in yesterday. I have a yeah, Sony awesome. – thank you. I have a Sony a7 III that I just got. I Like I said, I kind of went all in on gear. Um, yeah. New microphone because I kind of like what you're doing with the GH3s. I didn't even realize until somewhat recently, but the microphone that I have, the Rode mic, um, video mic, video mic, it's not the pro, it's someone right below it, maybe the plus, and uh, okay. yeah, it records one channel, the other channel for whatever reason, because I got in a car accident, and it kind of mm -hmm. hit the jack, so it's oh, not no. like, yeah, it's not completely broken, but... You know, every time I'm in, I'm in post, I have to switch both audio channels to the left side so it'll play in both headphones. I don't oh, usually, yeah, I don't usually watch my videos with headphones, and so I didn't know that until I started becoming consistent. And so now, yeah. like you said, with the GH3, you get all these little workarounds, um, mm -hmm. and now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll have this in case, like, if, if I do have something that fails on me, I have a microphone that I can still use, I know how to use, but I think it's time to start getting into it. So kind of like what you were talking about, I found something I wanted to go all in on because, I mean, Canon right now, the biggest thing for me is the frame rate. Canon doesn't have a, a, a camera that's priced as well as Sony that does 120 frames, full frame. Um, you know, you got a lot of good stuff with it. And, I mean, even now, I'm using the Sony with a Sigma 16 to 35 millimeter lens with an adapter. So it's a crop sensor lens on a full frame camera. And that's just yeah. because the guy I bought it from was also using a cinema camera, a Sony camera. And what he yeah. was telling me is those like those actual cinema cameras all use crop sensor stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyways, it, it's a lot, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anytime I talk gear, it always gets ridiculous. Like when I first opened that Ronin S package, it looked like mm -hmm. a rocket ship. Yeah. I turn it on for the <laughs> first time and it's a rocket ship until you watch about 10 tutorials and then good old Peter McKinnon comes in to uh, save the day. Um, yeah, yeah. And so with, with, uh, with the gear that you just talked about, is that the gear you started with or what gear did you start with and when did you personally upgrade if you did and – if you were to go back, what would you do differently? Yeah. Um, well, if we're going to go to like my first camera, like I started out on an old, like, uh, like digital eight Sony camcorder. This is like back in like the early two thousands. Um, and then I started filming skateboarding on those and realized that I wanted to upgrade from there. And so I got a Canon HV 30, which that camera was, that goes back to the days of like using mini DV tapes. And I used that for a long time until the DSLR revolution started. And then I got a Canon T2i. And from there, I went to a T3i because I wanted the flip out screen. 
and from there I went to the Canon 60D because for some reason I thought that it had better video quality but it didn't basically the exact same video quality as the uh, T3i and then from the 60D I believe I went to the little Canon EOS M's which before that video in October blew up my most watched video was me rigging out these little Canon EOS M's to be more video centric cameras and I used those for a while and then from those uh, little Canon EOS M's I switched to the Panasonic GH3 for the first time and then I loved the video quality of the Panasonic GH3. I think for its time, it was completely revolutionary. It had a headphone jack, which no other Canon camera had, and it shot in really good frame rates that were really easy to edit. And it was sharp, like way sharper than any of the Canon stuff that I had. So I loved it, but I eventually switched from the GH3, I think to a Canon 80D. I think that was back in like 2018 or something like that. And I like the Canon 80D because of how good the autofocus was. But as I used it more and more, I just got really, I got really used to how sharp and detailed my GH3 was. And the, the Canon 80D just wasn't as sharp. And it was, you know, newer and more expensive than my GH3. And so I was like, why am I using this camera if it's not as sharp as the GH3? So I sold the 80D and I went back to the Panasonic GH3. And I've been using the GH3 ever since. Um, and I feel like if I could have done things differently, I feel like I should have just stuck with the GH3 the entire time. Oh, I think somewhere in between that timeline, I had the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera for a while, which that camera was just ridiculous and really hard camera to work with. Great image, but really hard to work with. So, um, but yeah, I feel like I should have just stuck with the GH3 and... I feel like I could have done a lot more because a lot of those cameras kind of slowed me down where it's, I knew the GH3 so well that the GH3 doesn't slow me down anymore. And so, yeah, I feel like I kind of went through that phase of like thinking that, you know, if I got a different camera that it would, you know, improve my YouTube videos or get me more clients or something like that. But that just wasn't the case. Uh, nobody that like ever hired me has ever asked what camera I use. And even though I loved the ADD and how good of a YouTube camera it was, I just missed the like detailed video that I was getting out of the GH3. So yeah, if I could do anything differently, I wish I would have like, I wish I would have just like stayed with the GH3 cause it's just kind of, I don't know. It's a great all around camera for me anyways. Wow. Uh, so I have three things. You've been yeah. on quite a journey. One, it's amazing how many YouTube video or how many YouTube creators start with skateboard footage. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. You watch all these YouTubers like uh, Maddie Haposia and like all them. They skateboard. And my buddy got to start actually. He would make skateboard compilations of all his favorite skateboarders, and that's how he yeah. got started editing. Editing before he knew what it actually was. So it's crazy. For sure. Two. Yeah, I've go ahead. Oh, 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 no, no, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, uh, no, I was just gonna say I've been skateboarding for like 21 years now, so it's always been like a really big part of my life, and I feel like that's definitely what kind of got me into filmmaking because I was filming my skate, like I was filming my friends skateboarding and making these really cheesy little edits, and that's kind of how I got started doing it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, and then you want to make them look good. It's yeah, yeah I, I feel that. Uh, like I said, um, actually, I didn't say this. I longboard a lot, and the longboard I've been using for the last three, four years, I think it's actually four years now, um, finally gave out and broke. The back end just kind of cracked and split, and now it's dragging on the ground. And that, I've, oh, yeah, it's a sad day. I uh, <laughs> From riding that around in Times Square in New York City to Hawaii to New Jersey, Idaho, Nevada, that thing was everywhere doing all sorts of things. And I knew it was kind of sketchy because it's, it's so old. The uh, trucks are a little bent. Um, I took her on some good rides. There was actually a canyon that I took, took down the very bottom part. And I got up to like 45 miles an hour. And all I could think in my head was, please don't let this be the moment this finally gives out. And so <laughs> it's, it's done everything that I've needed it to do. And so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of into the, like the skateboarding in a way. I just like the long boards cause I like going faster and, uh, doing yeah. stuff like that. But Cruising. yeah, exactly. And, uh, for me, 
it was about making my vlogs look better, right? Because yeah, I was, was like a cheap like steady cam basically. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And so, yeah. With, with like the with the vlogs, like I, I I was talking to the camera so much, and I didn't know how to do B roll. And then as I was editing, I'm like, man, there's so much talking. There's not a lot of like showcasing around. And then I would like do like you know the Facebook mom thing where you just kind of pan around the room and you're like, ah, oh, that's good enough. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah. And then I was like, well, it's not. I started watching like Roman Atwood and then I started making them based off of that. Started watching other people. Casey Neistat came to the game and totally blew my socks off. And then I've never been the same creator ever since. Yeah, um, for sure. But the second thing I was going to say, your lenses look so retro. They, they look really rad. They look really dope. <laughs> um, but they look so old. Like, are they like super old or are those the ones that like do you buy with it or What's the story behind the lenses for the GH3? I've never seen anything like that. Well, I use a lot of different lenses for the GH3. Um, my main, uh, like, YouTube lens, it's actually, it's made by DJI. So they made this lens for one of, like, their, their like, big boy Osmos that, like, are put on, like, those big quadcopters. So this is a DJI lens, but it's the exact same as a Panasonic version. And so I use this lens mostly. And, I mean... It's a really small, like, little pancake lens. But if you're referring to, like, my vintage lenses, I've been kind of getting on, like, this vintage lens kick where a lot of the YouTube creators that I watch, they, like, use these old vintage lenses, and it just gives this, like, this very, like, nuanced look to your video to where it's just, like, it looks more cinematic. And so I've always wanted to, like, you know, capture that as well. And so I've been getting into, like, you know, Canon FDs and old Nikon uh, vintage lenses just to try to like, you know, switch up how my videos look a little bit, but I don't use them that much. Uh, for the most part, I use like my uh, Panasonic lenses that I have and they're pretty, I mean, they're pretty flawless, but yeah, my vintage lens, it's kind of a new obsession of mine, I guess. <laughs> I like that. No, I love that a lot. Uh, I, I actually like, I, I see everybody doing the super eight thing. I want to jump on board with that. And I mean, my first tattoo is a tattoo of a Polaroid, so I'm all about the vintage. Um, yeah. It just, it looks funny. Uh, you <laughs> were talking about your talking head lens, and I'm like, man, that thing's all metal. That doesn't look like it belongs on there. That looks so cool. And that's why I ask. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I was watching this video kind of recently. Um, this guy actually took like, uh, you know, the instant film kind of pictures. Yeah. He took something that replicated that without using a lens. What he did is got an extra body cap. He drilled a hole, like a small hole, covered it with tape, got a pin needle, like a, like a needle and just made it like a little hole. Um, I forgot what settings he used, but he took a picture through that and it actually looks exactly like the instant like photos. And so maybe that's worth checking out too. I think yeah, it'd be a, a cool like project. A little pinhole lens. Yeah. That's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, uh, Right now, I'm really into. I. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. Remind me. We'll get to that at the end of the episode. Uh, we're, okay. we we got one more question that I'm gonna ask you, and it's it's gonna it's gonna be kind of something you brushed up on previously. But how did you get started? Like like you were talking about you were doing skateboard videos and stuff like that, but you were also talking about how you had a camera in your hand at 16 and everything's going on. Um, so you, you you've been recording this whole time. How old are you now? Um, I'm almost 30, actually. Wow. 30 in October. Yeah. Happy birthday. You don't look 30, <laughs> by the way. Um, oh, thanks. That's awesome. Yeah, I know you were talking about being married and stuff, but I didn't really put that together. Yeah. Uh, I was in the military at one point, so a lot of people get married really young. I'm actually only 23. Sure. I actually oh, just cool. turned 23. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So how, how did you get started? You've been creating for so long. Um, yeah, just briefly tell us about that, please. Sure, yeah. Um so yeah, I started out filming skateboard videos, and in that process, I met uh, my friend now, uh, and he was um, um, he was making skateboard videos too, and so we kind of uh, we hit it off, and then he moved off to Texas, and he ended up starting this production company. So I was still making videos up until about you know, well, I guess I was making skate videos up until about like you know age 21. And then he needed a like a production assistant slash intern for his uh, production company that him and his buddy were starting. And so I, I went over to Texas for a few months and I helped him with that. And they were doing a bunch of uh, like YouTube content with all like these really big YouTube creators at the time, like, you know, back in 2011. 
uh, you know, people like Zach King and, you know, Jax Films. These are like, you know, kind of like, like old school YouTubers, I guess, at this point. But, um, and we did stuff with like uh, Powell Peralta skateboards and just like being there and seeing like all these, you know, people in California were, you know, killing it on YouTube and like, you know, making a living. Um, it kind of inspired me to want to like start making YouTube videos too and see if I could, you know, make that work. So, you know, I think in like 2012 was when I was like, you know, really trying to like make my YouTube videos more searchable and, you know, get more views on my videos because I had just been posting skateboard videos up until that point. And so I started doing it. I didn't really see that much growth, but I also started my own, like I started doing video more professionally. So I got, you know, some wedding clients and I did some random promotional videos for small businesses here in Portland. And so I just kind of, I, I treated YouTube as kind of like this side hobby that hopefully would blow up eventually, but I never really like started to take it really seriously until, I don't know, I want to say about five or six years ago um, when I saw one of my videos getting a little traction. And so I decided to start you know, trying to put out at least, at least one video a month just because I was doing other work and I even had like a normal job at that point too. Um, so yeah, I, I just kind of, I fell more and more in love with the idea of just being able to create whatever I wanted. Even though I liked doing client work and shooting weddings, it was never really like what I felt like I was called to. So um, yeah, it wasn't like, um, as I said, I haven't been able to like go full time until like, you know, this past January, but it's always been something that I've kind of been like trying to, I don't know, steer myself towards because at the end of the day, even though it's really cool doing, you know, my own freelance work as a cinematographer or, you know, I guess a videographer, you know, a camera operator, it's definitely more freeing to be able to do uh, stuff on my own terms on YouTube. So I'm definitely stoked that it's uh, happened. But yeah, I got started just by making skate videos and, you know, making connections with um, other filmmakers, I guess. And I think that's like one of the biggest things is if you can if you can make connections with the right people, it definitely, it goes a long way, I would say. Well, I mean, I'm finding out more and more that the people you surround yourself with are very, very important. Like, all these things I've been wanting to do for the longest time, like I just made my first short film, which I've wanted to make uh, for a year or two, and I did it in mm -hmm. 72 hours when Peter McKinnon released a challenge, right? And yeah that wouldn't have been possible without the people around me, without the confidence that I've built recently. I wanted to build a website. I've tried four times. Uh, the fourth time was a charm. Uh, first time I just tried using Google's like business website. Didn't, <laughs> was not good at all. Uh, got it up and I was gonna, I was like, I'm gonna get so many clients with this. And then I fat fingered the word professional, forgot the P, wouldn't let me oh, no. edit. And so I was the professional photographer that had to unpublish his website out of shame, um, getting started. I was in the military still. Second time, someone offered to make me a website because they were getting started learning how to use it, and they just needed a testimonial. We put together my portfolio. We got everything going. I was super stoked about it, and then he just kind of disappeared. Um, no, no, like, no bad blood or anything like that. He was just kind of... I mean, maybe it had to do his own thing. I just didn't hear from him again. And I tried making it one more time, but I just wasn't happy with it because it wasn't my vision. And then uh, one of the people I'm close with now that I'm working with does websites, and he helped me out, and now it's everything I've been looking for in a website. And so, you know, when you have people to go shoot with you, right, you can get amazing B-roll like clips when you have somebody else to shoot because it's so hard to shoot yourself, right? Oh, and yeah. then. For sure. Yeah, and then it's so nice to have B-roll clips of yourself. Like Peter McKinnon uses B-roll clips of himself all the time from Maddie Hapoja or uh, Chris Howe or from everybody else that gets it for him. Like, And he'll use their shots in his videos, right? They'll, they'll collaborate. Yeah. And so it's nice having somebody there to help you out or having someone there to be like, hey, don't use the uh, Steadicam like that. Use it like this. Or, what I mean, yeah. gimbal, whatever else. And you're like, all those aha moments happen when you're doing stuff like that otherwise you just painfully get through um yeah but back to what you were saying you've been on the grind life for a long time so i commend you for that i am <laughs> honestly grateful you didn't stop um you know it's, it's really of course it's really awesome you stuck through and 
that same feeling you got with the YouTubers in California, I actually used to be really into bodybuilding. I love going to the gym. I love weightlifting. I actually went on like a four-mile walk like this morning watching some YouTube videos about how to run the gimbal. Otherwise, it would have been yeah. a run. But I remember back uh, – you, you remember all the, the videos of like pumping iron and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all them like all oh, yeah. like I idolized California for the longest time. I never went until I actually joined the service, went to boot camp. That was my first look at it. At, uh, I was in San Diego and I was just mesmerized the whole time. Then before I left, I spent a couple of days in L.A. and it was the best time. And I haven't been really back since, but I've traveled like kind of a lot of other places uh, a lot of other places in the United States. I'm actually going back to LA, and so I'm 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 thinking it'll uh, rekindle that. But I know that exact feeling. That's that's what I was trying to get to, is yeah. that exact feeling of like you, you're watching everybody do what you know you want to do, and you're like, man, I got I got to make this happen. Um, it sure. just ended up working out with something else. Um, but yeah, so what are some of your pursuits now? What are some of the things that you're up to other than the full time YouTube uh, the YouTube stuff? Yeah, well, other than YouTube, um, honestly, I've just been uh, trying to, you know, keep myself uh, busy during this whole, you know, quarantine stuff. Uh, I've been skateboarding a lot. My wife and I are are looking into trying to buy a house, but that might have to wait till next year. And uh, yeah, I've just been I've been camping a lot here in uh, here in Oregon because it's it's been beautiful lately. Um, and I've been uh, helping a couple of my friends out with like some music videos and like some smaller uh, projects that they've been working on. So yeah, just trying to stay busy and uh, also, you know, be able to create my own content, at least, you know, having one video out a week. So that's basically all my life consists of right now is just, uh, you know, hanging out with my wife and making YouTube videos. <laughs> I feel that heavily, man. I'm so excited for this Corona nonsense to go away. Um, it ended yeah. up working out uh, because I am where I am now and I've grown a lot and I've gotten the gear that I wanted. I pulled the trigger. A lot of stuff has happened. But I was actually like uh, I finally pulled the trigger. I was starting my business. I was going to register it. I had like a couple of people I knew that had businesses I was going to get like mentored from. And I, I was actually in the middle of my first two um, about to be three gigs for companies. And I had a couple of photography clients lined up. I'm like, all right, let's get some money. And I had to cancel everything because that's when Corona happened. And so I ended up doing half the work for this stuff. And like I was doing drone work near the airport. So I had to call the airport ahead. I had to schedule a day. First day it rained. Second day, everything was shut down because of Corona. So I couldn't even do it anyway. And so then I get everything going in the back end only to to not even be able to finish the, 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 uh, the gigs because – you know, when stuff did start opening back up, you know, of course, people aren't as keen to spend money because they've just been losing money on their business. And not only that, but then I just kind of up and left and uh, came to Hawaii and I'm starting to try to travel around again, which gets me to like what I'm trying to do. Um, honestly, the Pacific Northwest for me has been such a vibe lately. I don't know why. And yeah. I think I was talking to you about this a little bit, but I actually want to take out like a ten thousand dollar loan or credit card or something uh interest free for 12 months right maybe i'll use a va business loan uh for it and i just want to go and travel like i want to i want to make a daily vlog where i just go to the airport and go hey what's your first international flight and then i just kind of make a video similar not 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 like uh in the video sense but when Casey Neistat made that the nike video he just traveled until the money ran out do something similar to that but like vlog it right and talk about like taking a leap of faith and i've I've got some stuff i want to talk about on that and then i want to come back instead of buying a house i want to i think i told you about this a little bit but i want to buy you know a u-haul or like a sprinter van and build it out the u-haul would be ideal because it's it's pretty much like an apartment size anyway like a studio apartment and so you can do a lot with that and then i just want to vibe around the united states and do all this cool stuff that all the van lifers do yeah for sure there's definitely a lot of uh, van lifers up here in the Northwest. Because <laughs> it's amazing there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I don't know. And I think, I, I don't know what it is, but lately I've realized that I just get this freeing, like, feeling from traveling and everything that I do, right? Like, 
Uh, right now I feel a little cluttered, but I mean, being in an apartment, I've never really had a lot of stuff. And it's like the more stuff I have, the more I tie down, I feel. And so I've been watching a couple things about minimalism and yeah. tiny homes and all that. And so I kind of want to transition, start traveling, right? Then do yeah. the van life, start getting into sponsorships, start getting my name out there, start getting recognized, then get a tiny home, you know, and then a truck. And then if I'm living somewhere and there's a job opportunity somewhere else, I just attach the hitch and you know, take out my uh, fence in the front yard and get on, get a move on, uh, which is kind of a funny thing to think about. <laughs> and then I kind of want to work into, you know, kind of settling down a little bit more. But I, I, I don't know why, but that's really been like, it's the one thing on my mind that just keeps coming back because, I mean, if I can do that, not only is it exciting, right, but then I'll start really appreciating the little things. And uh, the first guest I had in this podcast for season two was my buddy. Uh, he's from Montana. And so he did this one series called Gone in 60. And what he did is he took the mundane parts of his life and he added, a, he, he told the story of it and added like some life to it. So he was doing cinematic edits and all this stuff about taking his kid to school and he would just do like almost like a daily vlog but he would just do a minute worth of content every day so he'd probably film for like you know an hour and and bring it break it down into like a highlight reel of a, a 60 seconds but um i just i like that idea of appreciating the little things you know yeah and it's definitely like it's definitely you know kind of uh encouraging to see what you can do with how little you need i guess uh, as far as like the whole minimalism stuff goes yeah or the fact that like i watch everybody um or not okay i watch like peter mckinnon and maddie hapoja and all them and you see they've got this office with all this gear and they've got all this stuff going on and then i watch jake fru and he's got every piece you know or levi allen or uh you know these people they've got every piece of gear they need to make these captivating uh videos that tell stories to do all these cool things and it all fits in a drawer in their van somehow magic yeah i don't know i don't know if uh levi allen learned some magic tricks from peter mckinnon <laughs> but the fact that you can do that much with you know something that's in a van and live there with so you've got your editing station you've got your cameras you've got your everything there it, it's crazy i love it. i love the idea of it and it's more of those things that like i want to push myself and see like if I could do it, it's like running a marathon. Is running a marathon the, the most fun thing to do? No, but it's challenging and just knowing that you did it, right? You get to look back on that and it's, it's something that kind of lives with you. Uh, you know, it, it, it's like waking up at four in the morning. There's nothing, there's nothing pretty about it, but like just that, that knowing that you did it and other people aren't doing it is, is a testament um, and in, in and of itself, and it just kind of speaks like volumes, not only that, but like good things kind of come, right? Like imagine you're living in a van, even if you break down, imagine what it's going to be like when that one guy that's nice enough to help you out, helps you out. And then you make that connection. And then you're out with the DJI Ronin S in the, the woods of Oregon, or you end up on the, the side of a street somewhere you've never even heard of. I, I'm just I'm really excited to kind of like live for these moments in, in life and appreciate that rather than, I mean, I've been in New York City and stuff and it's really nice to worry about the business side of things and stuff like that. But if I can mix both businesses with pleasure, like you said, um, you like YouTube because you want to work for yourself. Whereas with like gigs, you've got all these deadlines and all these like certain specific specifics you have to hit. Oh yeah, no, that's like, you know, it's always like, you know, people say that they work for themselves and, you know, I guess that's true, but I mean, when you're working for a client, you're still working for a client. So, you, you know, you're working for yourself, but you still have to like, you know, make your clients happy, which, you know, and that's like the allure with YouTube is that like, sure, if you have sponsorships, you want to make sure that like you hit, you know, the ad reads properly or something like that. But at the end of the day, you're just creating content that you want to create. And I feel like that's what's so alluring about the whole you know, full-time YouTube uh, creator thing. And just to, you know, touch on uh, Jake Frew and Levi a little bit, like, I feel like that kind of brings us right back to, like, how much do you think you actually need as far as, like, camera gear? Because, like, you know, Jake Frew and Levi are, you know, creating amazing stuff, and they're not, you know, they're not weighing themselves down with trying to chase all of, like, this, you know, crazy gear and lights and stuff. They just make what they have work, and their stuff looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, Jake Fru was talking about how he used an iPhone on one of his shoots, how he had 
two or three different cameras to use and he only used one of them how he had a few different lenses and he was like actually this one got the job done except in this one certain specific situation and so i've been watching a lot of those videos i don't know what it is it's just it's a vibe like like with you and the vintage cameras which i love i collect vintage cameras i don't have a big collection yet but i've got like an Mm. old polaroid land camera i've got like the uh the newer polaroid that I've got the uh, the one that actually takes the photos. I've got the old version of that that flips open. And I've actually got like a record wall right by my uh, desk where I have like nine big records that kind of do rows of three. And then I've got the smaller records in between. And so I love that retro vibe, man. Yeah, for but sure. Anyways, I, I just want to take a second to say thank you. Um, you know, you took the time out of your day here and I want to say thank you to the listener here. Uh, we're about, we're about that time in this episode where we start wrapping up and, you know, honestly, you offered a ton of value. And so for that, like, I, I'm very grateful. Uh, and just, just with that being said, is there anything else you want to say? Anything you want to touch up on? Anything you want to plug? Where can people find your content? Um, yeah, let's just, let's get to wrapping this thing up. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, if you want to find my content, I'm on YouTube, uh, Nigel Bajos, N-I-G-E-L-B-A-R-R-O-S. And you can also find me at Nigel Barros on, or Bajos on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, I guess um, at the end of the day, if you know that your camera is holding you back, I feel like that's when you'll know that you need to upgrade. Or with any piece of gear, if you have a, you know, a tripod that you know slides down or doesn't hold your camera up very well i feel like there's pretty easy indications that will you know be very apparent to you to when you need to actually upgrade stuff but don't go chasing the newest and greatest camera because it's a really it's a that's a habit to get into that's going to cost you a lot of money (laughs) yeah they're kind of marketing uh cameras like iphones like oh get this version um yeah yeah but i like how you said that because it's like uh, an indication you need new gear is when your tripod isn't a tripod anymore and instead is a slider for your yeah. camera. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how the Gorilla Pods get. You set it up and you're like, hey, look, if I'm shooting at a high enough frame rate, I get this really cool like GoPro football effect, except um, it makes me cry inside. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, beautifully said. And like I said, I mean, if, if you're sitting there struggling with, you know, not having a lot to create right now, I wish you could have heard the conversation we had before this podcast and see what I'm recording in now. Uh, sorry to ruin the surprise, buddy, um, because I'm recording this like with my laptop, with my mic, you know, business as usual. But I actually put a box around me because there's like an AC vent that's got some noise and I wanted to have like good crisp audio. So I put the box so that it wouldn't like echo across the room and uh not only that but you know i had to i I was uh starting the podcast and i had to stop it because i just realized i didn't know how to say the guest's last name who i'm having on a podcast (laughs) so for those of you that are trying to find him it is b-a-r-r-o-s right yes o-s yeah so it's it's like spelled barros but it's said bajos right Bajos, yeah. Yeah, all right. It's Portuguese. (laughs) I just, I like how I'm like telling people how to say it and do it. (laughs) And I have to double check and ask as I'm saying it. Um, No worries. But yeah, that's it for this episode. And I hope to see you guys next week.